tonight. We'll read from verses 1 on. Had a wonderful opportunity uh, yesterday to spend the whole day with uh, one of our daughter churches in South Jersey and uh, did a conference for them. And then in the nighttime, we had a wonderful fellowship. Uh, the, only, the only thing is like 100 miles away or something like that. <laughs> so I got back very late last night. Uh, but it was wonderful to see those people are on fire. They love the Lord. Uh, they're growing. Um, they had to actually ask their landlord if, if, they would give, if he would give them the back area to the place where they're fellowshipping. So they're going to break all of that and amplify because they don't, they don't have the space to fit the people that are coming in. Those are the type of problems I like. That means people's needs are being met. People are getting back to the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. People are being restored, renewed. Delivered, set free, encouraged. They're meeting their Creator, their Lord and Master and Savior. So it's a wonderful thing. Praise God. Uh, the children are being released yes. to Children's Church. Amen. Praise God. All right. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Now it occurred that while the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the message of God, He was standing by the lake of Genesaret the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats drawn up by the lake. But the fishermen had gone down from them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats that belonged to Simon Peter, he requested him to draw away a little from the shore. Then he sat down and continued to teach the crowd from the boat. Then when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep and lower your nets for a haul. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've toiled all night. And the Amplified says, exhaustingly. And we've caught nothing in our nets. But on your word, I will lower the nets again. I'm reading from the Amplified version, by the way. It might sound a little different than yours. It might add a little more. But uh, just wanted to let you know. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And as their nets were at the point of breaking, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and take hold with them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was gripped and bewildered with amazement allied to terror. And all that were with him at the hall of fish which they had made. And it was just not he that had terror upon him. It was all of them that were there. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter. And Jesus said to Simon, have no fear. From now on, you'll be catching men. Praise God. Praise God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, Lord God. Your word is life. It's light. Your word, Lord God, touches the deep part of our soul. And I appreciate, Lord God, all that you have done, uh, Father, in our lives to this point. And I thank you for all that you're about to do. Thank you for this wonderful weekend where young folk were able to go and get ministered to and be profoundly blessed and encouraged and reminded that you love them, that they have a purpose, that they are mighty beings here on earth because of your presence in their lives and the call of God upon their lives. We are people of purpose. And, Father, we, we are grateful to you. 
Uh, now I pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might be able to see, Lord God, that which you're sharing with us in this day. We'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of God. It's an amazing thing to consider uh, that God loves us, that we are made and created for and with a purpose. And it's interesting because we're in a, a very interesting season. There's been a strong transition in our nation. You could see it in our laws. You could see it in our government. You could see it educationally. You could see it in media. There are strong transitions happening. Same thing in the spirit. Make no mistake about it. God is moving. He's moving in His people and He's moving through His people. But before He has been moving all across the land, He's been moving inside of us. Because we are a type of people, and I'm not saying the church, I'm, say, I'm saying human beings. We get to a certain level of comfort and we like being there. We want change just as long as it doesn't change us. We want a move of God just as long as we don't have to change. We want to see God do mighty things just as long as we don't have to get up a little earlier, work a little harder, sacrifice a little more, pray a little more. Praise God. But God is saying, I created you, you belong to me. And I am putting and I am tapping into that anointing that I placed in you when I called you, when I formed you. And I need that anointing in this season. See, one thing about the anointing that's upon you is that uh, the anointing has an assignment. Say to your neighbor, the anointing has an assignment. In Luke 14, I mean, Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus said, I am anointed, but he said, I'm anointed too. I'm anointed to do, you know, to set the captive free, uh, to cleanse the leper, to divide a sight to the blind, and so on and so forth, to preach acceptable good news. See, the anointing is for good news. The anointing is not for bad news. It's for good news. The worst thing in the, in the world is, is, is an anointed Christian that's always criticizing and complaining and grumbling and mumbling. <laughs> they're not using the anointing. They're in the flesh. <laughs> the anointing is all the way inside. And it's sort of frozen in, in place and time and space, for crying out loud. No, God is tapping into His people, and you've been sensing that you've been uncomfortable, and you've been sensing that even though you want to be in the same place you've always been, you want to be comfortable, you want to continue the life as, as, as it's been, uh, God has been all over you, and He's been putting that pressure on you. He says, no, my son, no, my daughter, I'm calling you deeper. I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you now to release that anointing that I placed in you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wonderful things about CDs, certificates of deposit, is you take $1,000, let's say, and you put it in the bank. You can forget about it. You don't have to worry anymore. It does its work all in, in a hidden way, right? Uh, let's say, for example, it matures in five years. You don't have to worry about a thing. In five years, you go collect your money. Now, every once in a while, they'll remind you, we have your money, and we're compounding interest for you on your behalf. Right? Everyone's around that tell you. So everyone tell you they remind you that yes, uh, they have your money, but they're making sure that you have some. Now, at a given time, you can go in there and you can ask, "How's my money doing?" Right? But let's say it was for five years. At the fifth year, you can go and demand that which was yours all along. And you don't want it the same way. You want it amplified. You want it with interest. Now you see where I'm going, right? <laughs> God put a CD inside of you. Amen. <laughs> he put an anointing, and he wants it back now, but he doesn't want it back the same way. Interesting, the, the people that he gave talents to, there was one that he gave five to. When he came back for it, he said, where's my money? 
And the guy says, well, I gave, here's your money, but I also uh, created interest for you. And so you gave me five talents, so I'm giving you five more. He says, good and faithful servant. See, all along, the master knew it was his. And he had no problem with it. He knew it was his. And all along, the steward knew it, was, it belonged to God. And he had no problem working it and bringing God something better. What have you been doing with the anointing inside of you? Have you been getting interest for the Lord? Have you been working it? Have you been studying the Word? Do we have to beg you every Sunday to come to Sunday school? No amens? Only ouches? In other words, have we been giving interest to what God placed inside of you? What He deposited in you is holy, it's precious, it is absolutely amazing, phenomenal. Amen. It's miracle working power. Amen. Now, God's not asking for money from you, He's asking for souls. He's asking for you to take that precious anointing and do like Jesus did save the captive, deliver somebody. Utilize that wisdom of God. Utilize that anointing of God to touch somebody else for His glory. Amen. And all along, He knows it's His. And all along, we should know it's His too. Yes. The worst thing in, uh, that I see with many Christians is God anoints them. God gives them a talent and an ability. They'll take it to the world, make money with it. They'll become famous with it. You know, they, they, they will use it to, to the most, to the maximum. And yet, when later on, when God comes to visit them, is how many people have you saved? How many people have you ministered to? How many people have you touched? Those are, you know, it's not my problem. I'm not my brother's keeper. <laughs> you understand? And the thing about it is that when God gives you a gift, He gives it to you irrevocably. He, it's, it's with you for the rest of your life. But He will call you into account. And He'll ask you, what did you do with what I placed in your hands? Now, having said that, one guy had five talents. He made another five talents. But there was one that only had two talents. But yet he worked hard and he made four talents for the Lord. In other words... It doesn't make a difference what somebody else is doing. You do your best. And you know what he said to the guy that only gave him two more talents? He had two and he multiplied it to two. He said, good and faithful servant. The same exact thing to the guy that had given him an extra five talents. In other words, you do what you do best. You do it with all of your heart. Whether it is preaching, teaching, whether it is evangelizing, whether it is opening your home and praying for people, visiting the hospitals, whatever it may be, whatever God's calling you to do, He's not asking somebody else to be responsible for you. But He's not asking you to be responsible for somebody else. He's asking you to be responsible for you. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm looking here, and Jesus, He shows up when these guys have been working all night long. The Amplified registers that it was exhausting work for them. They were so tired, they were so beat up, and when they're about to clean their nets, they haven't found any fish. Now, that's a catastrophe. You know why? Peter was a fisherman, and that was his business. So depending on the fish he caught, that's how much money he made. That's how he was able to feed his family. That's how the community was ministered to, or not ministered to, but received their, their economy also in these fishing ports. That's how they made their money. It was nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Nine. <laughs> in any language, it doesn't make a difference. And so they're tired, you know, probably busted tired, mad tired, today's vernacular. And then Jesus says, um, you know, I, I want you to uh, pull out a little bit because I want to teach in your boat. That's a funny thing. Jesus never asked them for permission. That's another thing about our Lord. Our Lord tends to think 
that he can get in your business anytime he wants to. The nerve. <laughs> but you know, I like that. I liken that unto a marriage. But yet the Bible says we are the bride of Christ. Yes, yes. So it is a marriage. It's a covenant. What did he do for the marriage? Well, he died for us. He came and made everything right. Man messed it up, so man had to come and make it right. And so there was no man perfect, so God had to become man in order to make it right. Why? Because in the beginning, when God established mankind on earth, he says, you're in charge. You're the steward. I make you the manager over the earth. So now, when God establishes a law, he submits to the very law that he established. So anything that happens here on earth happens through man. When God wants to do something on earth, He works through man. Well, God can do anything He wants. Yes, He can. But see, the thing about God is when He establishes a law, He submits to His very law. He honors His word. The Bible says He honors His word even above His name. So when He established man on earth, that became law for God too. That's His law. That's how He decided to move on this earth realm. See, that's how come when the enemy wants to do something bad on the earth, He'll fill a person and make him do crazy things. See, contrary to what you think on TV, you know, you got these poltergeists coming in and breaking walls and doing stuff like that. No, no. When the enemy's going to work, he works through man. Amen. When I say man, I mean mankind. When God's going to do something, he works through man. That's how come the Bible says he seeks for man to stand in the gap so a, a city would not have to be destroyed. Amen. That's how come you're very important. When God's about ready to work in your family, he looks you up. Because you're the anointed one. You're the one that has the anointing. That's why, why the anointing is so important. When God's about ready to deliver somebody, He sends the anointing. Another thing about God is He finishes a thing, then He tells you to begin a thing. I know that's confusing. I, I absolutely understand. But let me put it this way. I've said it before, but for those of you that haven't heard it, let me put it in the easiest way possible. Uh, one preacher said it this way. I love the way he put it, and so I'm going to repeat it. He made Adam... Then he put Adam's children inside Adam. He put his wife. He put his grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Then he put Moses inside Adam. He put Joseph inside Adam. He put King David inside Adam, Solomon inside Adam. He, he put the minor prophets, the major prophets inside of Adam. Right? He put the disciples inside of Adam. He put Jesus inside of Adam. Amen. Timothy, Titus, John inside of Adam. Then he put you and me inside of Adam. He put our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our great-great-great-great-grandchildren. As long as the Lord would tarry, all of humanity, put it at, he put it in Adam. Amen. And he closed up Adam, breathed on him. And he says, now begin what I already finished. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Let my will be done on earth as it's already being done in heaven. Amen. That's my will for earth. So make my will happen on earth as it's already being done in heaven. Hallelujah. See, Amen. so he partners with us. He's the major partner. We're the minor partners. He is God. We're, we're man. Amen. But we're partners with him. And then he anoints us. Then he says, let's make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they could do the very things I'm calling them to do. Because if we were not made in his likeness or, or in his image, we would not be able to do the things that he's calling us to do. But he empowered us. You're already anointed. Amen. When God made you, before he made you, he already thought about you. He mapped you out. He planned you. The Bible says he knows us even when we're in the mother, before we're in the mother's womb. He knows us. He formed us and formed us and fashioned us. Amen. So when he made you, he already... He already complimented you with everything you need inside of you for all of your life. Amen. See, we don't tell ourselves what we want to do. We discover what we're called to do. Amen. And once we discover it, then we get to work on what he already finished and, fa- and fashioned and formed for us. Amen. Come on, praise him. Amen. 
so? You don't believe it? Well, I have a personal testimony. It blew me away. When, when my, my dad was a young man, one year before having me, he, he had a, a bad toothache, and his grandmother went and prayed for him. The toothache left. He realized, you know, she, she was, man, she really has power, this woman. And she was. She was a Christian. Loved the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she told him something. She says, the Lord's calling me home. I'm going to die soon. I'm going to go with Jesus soon. Don't worry about it. I'm with Jesus. I'm all right. But the Lord told me to tell you something. You're going to have a son that's going to follow my ways. Amen. <laughs> my dad said, huh? <laughs> I don't have no children. You're going to have one soon. It's going to be a boy, and he's going to follow my ways. He's going to be just like me. He's going to be a preacher like me. I wasn't formed yet. See, but God knew me already. Say to your neighbor, God knows you. God knows you. All about you. <laughs> See my point? So I was born. My dad never told me anything about that. He never took me to church. He himself was not a practicing Christian. The only thing I knew about church is when you go to the Catholic church, you, you first have to stop at the front entrance, get some water. You got to get some of that water. And you got to, you know, you have to do that. You can't go in there until the water. You got to have water. Got to have that. So you go inside, and then, you know, you see that very sad man on the cross. You sit down, and you're quiet. You don't say a thing. Because everything's holy, precious. That's what I learned. And then I respected it. But my dad never told me anything about Jesus, about the love of God, about the grace of God, because he himself didn't know it. See? So years later, I get saved at 15. I, you know, start fellowshipping in the church. And 10 years later, when I first become a minister... Um, then he tells me, so, oh, by the way, my grandmother, your great-grandmother, told me that you were going to be a minister. I said, well, I, no, no, thank you for telling me now. <laughs> I wish you would have told me that before. When I first got saved, um, my, my soon-to-be mother-in-law, she looks at me. I said, the Lord told me to tell you, you're going to be a pastor. I said, what's that? I didn't know what a pastor was. I had no idea what a pastor was because I never learned. Nobody ever taught me. I, I, never, I, I wasn't a church kid. I wasn't raised in church. I know now, but God knew it before I was ever formed, that he put material inside of me, anointing, uh, a unique way of being that was going to be fit and meet to be able to pastor God's people. Praise God. See, so I didn't call myself pastor. God called me pastor. So I had to learn what it was to be a pastor. See? And this is what God is doing on his, uh, to his people today. He's saying, now the deposit, the heavenly deposit that I've placed inside of you, I'm showing up now. Yes, I know it's inconvenient. Yes, I know you have a lot of issues. Yes, I know you're doing a lot of overtime. Yes, I know that you have problems and issues. I want my anointing. Why? Because the anointing sets people free. And God trusted you with the anointing because he knew that at the time he was going to call you, even though you'd fight it for a moment, even though you might rebel a bit, after a while you're going to say, okay, Lord, uh, absolutely. What do I need to do? Well, he says, love my people the way I love them. Minister to, to my people the way I would minister to them. The anointing's in you, the capacity is in you, the ability is in you, and the way of being that, that I created you to be, that's going to be meat for, it's going to be, uh, a, uh, how can I say, it? it's going to be, you're going to fit in that particular ability. That's how come you don't look like me or preach like me or talk like me. Because God didn't make you like me. And God didn't make me like you. He made you unique and individual. Amen. But there's coming a time now that we need to start working as the body of Christ. Let me explain. When God calls you, He doesn't call you to be the great man of God or the great woman of God. 
He calls you to join a great family of God. There's no big and bad person in the kingdom of God. We're all servants of the Lord. We're all children of God. We're all anointed. We have different responsibilities. And I have a problem when we idolize people. Amen. I, I have a problem with that. I mean, I respect what they're doing. I honor what they're doing. But I won't worship them. I won't idolize them. You, you see? You know, let me tell you something. Some of us, we idolize specific ministries. If the Sunday school teacher comes out, let's say, just, just using that as an example. Oh, yeah, just the Sunday school teacher. But if, let's say, for example, Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes or somebody like that, you know, uh, Billy Graham will show up. Oh, my God. And for you worshipers, if Israel suddenly shows up, oh, my God. Listen, he has bad breath in the morning. If he doesn't put underarm deodorant, he's going to stank. <laughs> he has not arisen yet. That's right. The bottom line is that human beings just like us. And behind the scenes, you'd be surprised the level of pressure those men and women are walking with. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know the fight that they have many times in their own life. Just this last week, a, a, a pastor from a major mega ministry had to sit down because he admitted he had an affair. So it's not the men that are great. It's not the women that are great. It's our God that is great in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our frailties. That's how come we need to connect with the body of Christ. And Jesus says, I want to do something special in this day. I want to move now and I'm going into your business. I'm going into your business. I'm going into your family. I'm going into your church and I'm putting a demand. Now step that thing out. I need to share a word. So Jesus went to the boat and he started speaking the word. And that's what happens. God is speaking to us right now. But are we, are we listening? God, God is issuing orders right now. But are we uh, you know, in attendance? And standing at attention. Yes, Lord, here we are. What would you have us do? And he shared the word. Then he said, okay, now I'm transitioning. I've been doing a work. Um, and, and you've been doing things the way you've always done them. They're not working for you anymore. But I'm about ready to do something different. I want you to go deep now because I'm going to get you a big harvest. I felt that, man. I just, I really yeah, felt that. Yeah. I want, I'm, I'm going to start having you do different things because you're so used to an old way of doing things. Mm -hmm. You're so used to an old way, and that's your way, and that's what you've always done. It. Your parents done it that way. Your grandparents done it that way. But I'm in the midst of doing. I'm in the middle of doing new things. Amen. Praise God. I'm not going to minister uh, the way the, the men of old ministered because if I start preaching, you know. Thee loveth the Lord. And, you know, if I start talking like that, people will say, you are, you are a nut. <laughs> so, no, I've got, I have to be relevant. And God is a relevant God. He is a today God. Faith is today. And God will work in your culture. God, God will work in your, among your friends. He'll work in your time frame. See, God is outside of time frame, but he'll work in your time frame. Yes. So he called them deep. He says, I'm about do, ready to do something else. But Lord, we've tested these waters. There's nothing here. You don't tell God there's nothing there. When you say it's impossible, God is saying, all right, now let me get working. Praise God. God loves to do the impossible. You know why? There's nothing impossible for God. And he loves doing it. Sometimes he'll allow you to wait till you get to the end of yourself. So then he could do a miracle for you and say, now, you're talking to me. See, you're dealing with me, and I had to let you go through that so you could see. You could spin your wheels all you want, but sometimes all you need is faith in me. 
And what happened was Peter had faith in his system. Peter had faith in his business. Peter had faith in his teams because there was not just one boat. There were a bunch of boats there. But they failed. And here's the problem with faith. Faith is an amazing thing. But faith is actually confidence in something or someone. Right? Yes. So if I have faith, let's say, on this mic. Right? Uh, you were talking on it before, so it worked, right? Mm-hmm. So it should work. But what happens if the battery dies? Mm-hmm. I have faith. Meanwhile, I'm talking and it's not turning on. See, so my faith is only as strong as this thing's ability. Yes. 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 Some people have faith in men. Faith in women, faith in their partners, faith in their friends. But it's limited to their ability or to their faithfulness or to their character or to their nature. Some people have faith in faith. They say, oh, if I magically say, in the name of Jesus, and do that, you know, (laughs) something will happen. You know, they start, yeah, yeah, some people like that. You know, when they're about ready to pray, they they don't pray, Father, I, I just... They'll go, Father! <laughs> you know, so, and, and, and see, that's not going to move God. God will look at Oh, my sweet children. My sweet children. <laughs> Depending where you go, the people respond or, 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 or react differently. But the truth of the matter is, if you have faith in your faith, and those, if I say it this way, if I say Jesus three times, Something's got to happen. No. This magical potions won't work. Faith is confidence in God's ability, in God's faithfulness, in God's word. So your faith is only as strong as who you trust in or what you trust in. So if we trust in God, God never fails. But the problem is many of us think that God is Mr. Instant Coffee Maker or Mr. ATM. That all I need to do is put in my bid, bam, it'll come out. I press two minutes, my coffee's done. No, God's not that way. He knows more than we do. He knows better than we do. And the bottom line is sometimes we want something now. Father, I pray for it now. Let it come forth now. And nothing happens. Oh, well, I guess the prayer didn't work. No. Sometimes God is saying, you're going to get it. But you need to go through a process first. Because if I give it to you now, you might, you might not be ready for it. And then you waste the precious pearls I'm giving you. So let me train you first. Let me put you through a process first so you can understand how to be able to handle my holy stuff. Hallelujah. Yeah, God called me to preach. He called me to be a pastor. Yeah, he called me to be a pastor at 15. I didn't stop pastoring until I was 32. And then probably for the first 5, 7, 10 years, I made a lot of mistakes. And I made less mistakes. You understand my point? In other words, sometimes God desires just to crockpot you. You know what that means? Slow bake, slow boil, slow cook. Some of the best meals that we have, you know, among los Latinos, you know, are the stuff that we make take us a long time. Benil takes like a long time. Yeah, yeah, some, some, some stuff. What is it that your mom makes every Pasteles. year? Pasteles. Pasteles. Oh, man. It's good. It's delicious. But nobody wants to make them. A lot of work. Because they take like half a year to make. 
I think there's only three people in the world that are making pasteles right now. Right. And her mother's one of them. Right. Everybody else just puts in their orders. Uh, you got to put in your order April to get it by December, you know? <laughs> you got to put a lot of love. So, so Jesus, what he did was, he went to Peter and says, no, no, just, just do what I say. And Jesus says, okay, listen, we fished there all night. I know there's nothing there, but at your word, I trust you. At your word, I'm going to do that. But he had him do something different. Instead of throwing the net this way, he said, throw it the other way. Okay. See, sometimes God will issue a, a command to us, a faith step, so that when we honor that faith step, then he shows us the miracle. I don't know how Jesus found the fish there. Personally, I just think he probably spoke to the sea. He said, fish, I need you to be here at this time at this place. That's what I think. That's my opinion. And the fish says, okay, master. That's what we hear. This is our purpose. (laughs) So, so many fish came out that Peter freaked out. He just went ballistic. He he just threw himself at Jesus. Jesus, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. In other words, I repent. And not only him, it says all the guys did that. All of the guys were blown away by, by his magnificence, by his amazing way to be able to move nature. See, they didn't know he was, but they knew something special about him. Because if he could make this happen, and I was there 16 hours trying to get one fish. I didn't get one fish. I didn't even get a goldfish. This man is special. He, he's connected to Almighty God. So he says, Lord, forgive me. He, 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 he repented. And this is what, what God is saying to his people today. You need to repent. Because you have been used to doing it a certain way. And when I try to come in and tell you, my son, my daughter, let me use my anointing to save so-and-so, to minister to so-and-so. You say, no, this is the way I've always done it before. I'm not going to change for nobody. Not even you, Lord. We don't say it that way, but that's what ends up happening. We stay at a certain level of comfort. And, and see, Peter knew how to do his boat. He knew how to fish. But Jesus said, I want you to do it different, differently. And what, the, what, what was the positive thing about Peter? He said, yes, Lord. If you want me to do it that way, I'll do it that way. I only do one Sunday. Well, God said, I want you to hear Sunday and Friday. And I want you now to help, help me to stop teaching, start, start discipling. Praise God. Last, just, just a couple of days ago, we, a whole group of us were cleaning we, we weren't standing, dancing, oh, hallelujah, praise God. Oh, we, uh, hallelujah, glory to God. That's what we were doing, getting ready. Now, did we get paid overtime for that? I think we did in the heavenlies. But a tangible check, uh, we didn't get a check. I'm there every week. I'm, I'm not getting a check from any of you. But, see, but I'm getting paid by Almighty God. I know there's a mandate because there are people, thousands upon pe- thousands of people that are going to be saved, set free, delivered, encouraged. So it's taking me out of my comfort zone. There's some programs I like to watch on TV. You know, I can't be over there watching TV at home at the same time. Can't do it. I don't play the three, whatever, what do you call that thing? Tri- uh? Triple play? Oh, I, you mean I could play while I'm supposed to be working? I'm going to call your boss, man. I'm going to tell him that, man. I'm going to tell him not to let you bring in a phone. <laughs> but, you know... Really, uh, sometimes I like some time off after I finish a whole day work, right? I'm over there working. I'm over there doing stuff. You know, Elder Jose, this man, some of you guys, you, you, should, you should give this guy like a gold watch. 
Him and his wife, man, they have been working so hard at that building, and, and some of you have joined him from time to time. But let me tell you, man, I, you know, I'm very, very proud of this man. Every, every, on every wall, there's some, some of his skin on it, you know, some of his blood or something like that. But why are we doing that? Why are we going out of our comfort zone for the others, for the ones that are on their way? Amen, amen. God spoke to us and said there are thousands of people we'll be ministering to. Amen. Amen. Because, well, Lord, I'm not used to this, but at your word, let's build. At your word, let's do what you need to. Let me, let me, let me uh, allow my anointing. Part of my anointing is not just to be here preaching, but I can fix things. I can organize things. I can, I can understand buildings and things of that nature. So I'm using that aspect of the gifting that God gave me. So I'm, I'm, you know, there working together with my fellow elder and, and some of you that have been there working. You know, uh, how, how many of you were here a couple of days ago working in the church? Raise your hand. Those of you that were there. Come on, raise your hands. Come on. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Some of, you, some of you have not been able to, but guess what? We get to do it again. When was the next time? When's the next time? Tuesday? We get to do it Tuesday. No, no, you know why we're doing that? We're trying to get in for Easter Sunday. And what I needed to do is I needed to get the place ready so that insurance could come in, take a look, say, it's okay, here's your insurance. Give us a binder, and we can um, do church. Um, the problem with doing church today is that the city and, and the state is so complicated, you know, in, in terms of um, uh, dealing with issues that happen when people gather together. Uh, children have gotten hurt in churches. Uh, people have molested children. In, in churches. So we have to have insurance to protect the children, the families, as well as the church. So we have to have a multifaceted insurance. It's very expensive. It's about 4000 to $5,000 every three months. I'm just being real with you. So right now we're looking at various, we have three insurance companies we're looking at, and I'm going to try to get the best price, but I want the all comprehensive insurance. Uh, fraud, in case, uh, let's say for example, somebody works for us and, and they say sexual harassment. That is a very real thing. And we have to have insurance covering us. You know, and, and we, you know, we're, we're loving people. You know? But in certain... Uh, see, in, in, in my, where, I'm, where I work during the week, I'm not a huggy guy. I'm, a, I'm, like, you know, I'm like that. Because I understand. Things could be mistaken. You know? so, but but some, some people want to come in and abuse a church. They want to make money off a church. So we have to protect ourselves. So these are some of the things we're dealing with in this time frame so we could go, go in uh, with joy and not have to worry about these things. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So the Lord, Lord told Peter, go that way. What does Peter do? He gets into it. He, and he just says, he says, okay, Lord, boom. Suddenly he sees so many fish. What does he do? He calls his partners. He calls his team. And this is what God is saying. God is saying, you are not a lone ranger. Your anointing is not just for you. Your anointing is not just so you could feel good. Your anointing is to join a team because there are other people that need to be saved. God, God has a harvest in the season that He wants. And His harvest is people. So He's calling you out. He's saying, now I need you to step up to the plate. You know, there are children that are, that are dying. They're, they're, they're being lost. Uh, they are young men and women that don't know who they are. There's so many philosophies out there that it's driving people crazy. The only anchor, right, literally. The only anchor is the Bible. The only anchor is the Word of God. Well, the, the more you get away from the anchor, which is God, the more people don't know who they are. Really? Yeah. I, feel, I feel bad for young men and young women today because they don't know how to act. They don't know how to behave. Just get back, just get back to the, the manual of how God created us. 
Get back to the manual and you'll know. And you'll be at peace. See? So that's part of our mandate, to make sure that in the midst of a city, and this is a world-class city. It's a world-level city. And it also has a world-level sin. <laughs> really. So there are a lot of folk that are going to be coming through these doors, brethren. A lot of people that are going to call you. A lot of people that are going to um, uh, go to your home. And they're going to ask for prayer. They're going to ask for ministry. This is the time. God's putting a demand on you now. So we need to repent of comfort. No, comfort above all. Because Peter was already exhausted. And let me tell you something. When you haul several thousand fish, you need some power. You need some strength. He, had, he, had, he didn't have the mood for it at that moment. All he wanted to do was go home and sulk a bit. He didn't have the strength because he was exhausted. Him and his team. And suddenly God says, no, no, it's now. <laughs> well, that's unfair. Whoever said it's fair? When people are dying out there. When people are confused. Whoever said uh, a war is fair? War is not fair. You understand? Uh, you know, what are you going to tell a person who, who's ready to commit suicide? Um, let me get, um, I'm not good this week, but uh, could you come back like next Wednesday, uh, like about 2.30 after I have my lunch? No, you step up right then and there. And you go, Holy Spirit, this is the time I need you. Give me words. Give me, give me understanding. Let, let, let your wisdom flow. Amen. There are times, man, I've been in the pulpit where I'm, I'm looking at you, I'm speaking the word of faith to you. But inside my flesh is saying, really? You should be sleeping right now. <laughs> you should be resting. You're tired. You're exhausted. And I just go, shut up. And do what, you, what I'm supposed to do. No, you, you listen to me. No, flesh wants ice cream. Relaxation. Un abamiquito, real nice, under the sun. <laughs> little fan under the sun nice yeah it's spoiled so you have to be the boss of this thing and most people don't understand that they think that since they feel it it must be what they need to do no you are not your body your body is just a container your body is just an apartment imagine if you go to your apartment you open up the door say, i don't want you here now get out really an apartment is just an apartment just shut up man let me go make some coffee you understand? You have the right to be in your apartment. You're paying the rent, right? Exactly, yeah. I have the right to be in this body, and, and I have to dominate this body. If I want to go to the store, I have to say, legs, go to the store now. That's right. That's right. Imagine if I'm saying, go to the store, and my legs say, no. Oh, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to do that now. <laughs> I'll tell my legs, shut up, and go to the store now. See, we don't think about these things. Your head is, is the boss. Your head says it, the legs do it. You guys like to play basketball and everything. Your head thinks it. I'm going to go do here, go a little switch over here, pop, 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 and I'm going to get the ball. Isn't that true? And your body does it. And you get so upset when you try to do it, and it didn't work out that way, right? I'm, I'm 55 now, so, you know, when I was 20, I used to play really good basketball. People used to get upset at me because I was smaller, but I, I get it right in their face. Oh, yeah, they, they would get so upset at me because they didn't think I, I, I was really sharp and accurate. I was also an accurate, a third base, I would throw that ball, bam, really good. Amen. I tried it the other day. I went for it, my brain went for it, my body said, get out of here. <laughs> I said, all right, I'll leave, it, I'll leave that to the young generation. I'll just watch you on TV. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're, we're called to dominate 
our bodies and make sure the will of the Lord gets done. Jesus said that. I'm sorry, Peter. Uh, no, Paul. Paul would always say, I buffet my body. I tell my body what to do. I discipline my body. And part of uh, people in the United States' problem is we're undisciplined. We're undisciplined in our eating. We're undisciplined in our exercise habits. We're undisciplined in, in, our, in our personal management. And God's calling us to be responsible for that now. Time is a gift. Say to your neighbor, time is a gift. Time is a seed. And, and if we sow time correctly, at the end of the time that we set, let's say, for example, from this day I'm going to start studying and in my fourth or fifth year I'll have my degree. If you use time wisely, you will have your degree. It's as simple as that. And God gives you the time as a gift. But it's up to you to manage time properly. I've got no time. No, you have the same amount of time that the President of the United States has. The thing is, you're a bad manager of time. Or you didn't realize the value of time. Because once it goes, you never get it back. Yeah, I blew it, so my time's over. No, no, as long as you're breathing, you still got time. But now you've got to make up some time. Now you've got to double time it. <laughs> you, you understand? So you messed up in a previous season. Well, guess what? God starts you right back at point one. You said no to him then. But now when you say, okay, God, I'm ready. God, okay, now let's go back to that place. Now I want you to do what I told you to do ten years ago. Now instead of five years, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. And you're going to get it done in one year. Praise God. <laughs> So are you ready? Who's ready? It's okay, God. I'm ready to start all over again. I'm ready to do what you're calling me in this season. Praise God. And the last thing I want to say is that when Jesus showed up, they were all meeting after he had died. And they were all meeting in a room. And they were saying to each other, you know, we trusted him and we believed in him and now he's dead. And the Bible says in John chapter 20 that the door was closed where they were meeting at. And the Bible says suddenly Jesus showed up. He didn't open the door. He just showed up. See, another thing. He shows up when he wants to. And, and, then, and he looked at them and he says, peace be unto you. First thing I want to tell you today about this process is that in the midst of all your mess, God's saying to you, peace. God is saying, I'm breathing upon you of peace. So you could calm down. You don't have to worry about your situation because I'm on the scene. And I'm about ready to do some miracles. And even if the door is closed, I can open a door. Praise God. If the enemy closed the door, God will open up seven doors for you. If people have told you, 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 you you're not going to be able to do anything in life, don't worry. Because it, what's important is what God says about you. Hallelujah. And the anointing you have in you is a breakthrough anointing. It's an explosive anointing. Acts chapter 2, they received dunamis, the Bible says. Power. The word power there is the word dunamis. Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite from. It's a dynamite, explosive, miraculous power that's inside, resident within you. Praise God. Say to your neighbor, I got dynamite power inside of me. Hallelujah. See, that, that anointing that's in you can change an environment. That anointing that's in you can, can change your friend. Can, can, can turn the situation around. You could speak to your environment and change it. Praise God. You could speak to a situation and cause it to shut down. And God move in a given area when you speak the word. Because you have explosive, miraculous power inside of you. The Holy Ghost is nothing less than God. And when he, re, when he releases the power upon you, he releases explosive, miraculous power. And that's what we need today, because we're in a war. Praise God. But I thank God I have that power. Thank God that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
And Jesus says, I'm in your business now. I'm coming in. And now I say, and he says, peace. Yes. And then the next thing he said, he told the guy, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the next thing he said. He said, be filled with the miraculous, explosive power. He said, you need the Holy Spirit. When I'm gone, when I go back to the Father, I'm sending you another helper. Called it a paraclete. The word paraclete comes from the word paracletos, which means somebody that comes alongside of you to help you every day of your life. So the Holy Spirit is not just power in you. He's also a helper. He's also a teacher. He's also a healer. He's also a way maker. He's also power. He's also glory. He's also grace. He's also goodness. He's also mercy. Hallelujah! Glory to God. He's about ready to do something amazing in your life. But he, but he needs you to connect to the body. He needs you to connect. Take your place. Don't try to be him. Don't try to be her. You be who God called you to be. I might not be the best singer, but I can preach this thing. I might not be the best preacher, but I can teach this thing. I might not be the best teacher, but I can love somebody into the kingdom. I might not be the best uh, lover into the kingdom, but I can bless somebody with something tangible. I have a grace for that. I don't know what grace you have. I might be a a businessman. I can make lots of money and then help, uh, you know, youth and community and help churches. I know businessmen that that's their ministry. They go out there, make lots of money, and then they go, okay, Lord, where do I give the check to? That's what they do. That's their anointing, and they understand that. They don't try to go to the pulpit and preach. They don't try to go to the street with an autoparlante. You know what an autoparlante is? You know, the, the, the thing? Yeah, in the bullhorn, right. In the 70s, I remember when I first started getting into this, I met this evangelist, and that was his ministry. He'd go into the street and, and preach. But he was funny, though, because he, he wasn't a good preacher. And he'd get in trouble with the people, you know? Because he'd say, are you over there smoking? You better turn that cigarette off. You're going to die of cancer, bless God. You better come back to God and let them cigarettes go. Me and the guys go, you talking to me? <laughs> I'm talking to you. Let that cigarette go before God strike you dead right there. <laughs> and I will go. <laughs> I would walk away and say, I don't know him. I don't know him. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, what can I say? But your anointing is going to bring people into the kingdom. And you know, I praise God for my mother-in-law. When I was 15, she didn't really do anything magical. She just said, listen, go to the church. They'll help your parents. They'll help you. You know, uh, God loves you. And, and just with love and with sweetness and with a good cup of hot Bustelo coffee. Man, that coffee was off the hook with a little piece of bread. Hot. Butter. Melting. I'll go, what are you saying? <laughs> And she loved me into the kingdom. I went with, uh, with all her daughters. We went to church. That's how I got saved. One of the people I went with to church was when We went together. And we both got saved in the same church. So she didn't know. Amen. She didn't know that she was preaching to her own future son-in-law. The one that would be the father to her grandchildren. And a grand, a great-grandchildren, whatever it may be. You know? And later on in years, interestingly enough, I became her pastor. 
Yeah, she came to church. She, she would call me, SME Pastor. This is my pastor. You know, it was what an awesome thing. See, you don't know who you're ministering to. You don't know if you're raising up a next Billy Graham, ministering to the next Billy Graham, or a next governor of New York, for crying out loud, that's going to come in and make some awesome changes for the benefit of humanity. You don't know when God's calling you and his, that, that anointing is provoked within you, move with that thing. Because God's thinking of somebody else, and he's trusting you to get the job done, because when God moves, he moves through mankind. Amen.